Here we are, this is it. It's finally come down to this. The finale of the Seagal 6 series here on Psychotronicast. We my name, yeah, my name is Alec Berg, and joining me as always is Derek Estes in the flesh, in the trailer. You can and should subscribe to us on Instagram and whatever podcast platform that you're listening to this on. And good news, if you want to find our Patreon, it's way easier now. All you have to do is search our name, Psychotronicast, on Patreon, because we are not flagged as adult content anymore. Once they realize we're just a bunch of adolescent shitheads, they're like, they're not adults. Um, so yeah, $5 a month will get you 40 episodes you can't find anywhere else. Plus, every time we make an episode like this that you're listening to this on now, we also do another episode just solely for uh, Patreon. So there you go. And we don't shortchange you either. The episodes are just normal length episodes like anything else you would find on Psychotronicast. So without further ado, I am getting you into Seagal's biggest hit. Oh, no, technically it's his second biggest hit. Um, the one that he made with DMX in 2001 technically made more money. but um, That's after the fact. Yeah, and that's more of a DMX vehicle than anything. I'm talking about his big, of the six, this is the one. Uh, yeah. this, we are talking Under Siege. And we're going to wrap it up with his uh, directorial debut. And that's it. Uh, <laughs> and that will be number six. And that will be number six. And that movie is called On Deadly Ground. I don't know why I couldn't remember that for a second. Okay. Let's just jump into Die Hard on a Boat. I mean, Under Siege. Yeah. So, I hadn't seen this movie in a very, very long time. And it was directed by the man who did The Fugitive. Andrew Davis. That's right. Good. I was just about to look it up. He's, it's funny because of, of him, like he's very... I haven't seen The Fugitive in a long time. I remember really liking it. Um, and then he also did, like, uh, the first one he did, Above the Law. But, uh, yeah, this is, well, for me, this is, like, the best I've seen of his. Because he also did, like, uh, what was the, he did that horror movie that we saw at the all-night horror movie marathon, like, The Final Terror, uh, that wasn't very good. I don't even remember that. And, uh, yeah, it's like, he is a very, it's weird. You'd almost want to say, like, after this, and with Fugitive, you'd be like, oh, this is kind of like an action on tour. Yeah. But I think that it's, it's pretty un... Uh, it, it's a pretty uneven filmography, for sure. So, Under Siege, this is your favorite one out of all. Of them? Uh, I mean, this, this, yeah, I mean, this is definitely the best. Yes. All right. Good. We're both in agreement. I mean, this is speaking of the Die Hard thing. I mean, I famously don't like Die Hard, and this to me is like, like infinitely better than Die Hard for so many reasons. Oh man. Um, and partly just because of the logic. I mean, I know why people love Die Hard because it's like, oh, it's like an, a normal idiot who, you know, whatever proves that he can be the superhero but it's like no i just give me a fucking navy seal you know like this is like you have better villains you have everything like the stakes are so much higher everything uh just you know really works out but let's just you know let's get into it i was gonna say if you want to yeah uh it's you took the words right out of my mouth and it's insane we're speaking the same language on this episode uh i was watching under siege for the first time in a very long time and watching it i was like this is die hard in a boat i get that but also i after covering Die Hard and Die Hard 2 on the podcast, I realized how much Die Hard sucks. And I am pretty confident that I will never go back and watch Die Hard ever again. Eventually you will. I mean, it's one of those things. It'll come up. Maybe. But, like, I'm not going to actively ever seek it out in the near future. And Under Siege, I would watch tomorrow. If somebody yeah. was like, hey, do you want to watch? I would turn down to watch Die Hard. But, um, so, technically, yeah, I'm agreement. I like Under Siege better well, than even, Die Hard. I mean, just, like, whatever. I think... and. I mean, Alan Rickman is great, and I love Alan Rickman, but I'm like, this movie has two 
insane villains. And the other is that thing where like your hero is only as good as the, the as main adversary, mm-hmm. and you're like you have both Gary Busey and Tommy Lee Jones, and they're both fucking psychotic. Uh, yes, it's and like and then also not only it's like I guess. There's all of that stuff. I think also, you know, once we maybe get in the meat of it, but the, those two guys, I guess maybe watching this in January of 2021, when, you know, we've seen, uh, you know, our, our capital be under siege by, you know, kind of disgruntled lunatics. military. Yeah, lunatics and, um, you know, people trying to disrupt, you know, whatever, the world order. Um, and so I guess like this also felt like really like prescient in some ways you're like this could maybe happen another thing it's funny this is another little personal aside i have to add i also wasn't expecting is uh this all takes place on the uss missouri which i actually have been on what um yeah it was so okay so this movie begins when the missouri was being um you know decommissioned for the second time because it was uh you know it, it served it was commissioned and served during world war ii and this is where uh the Japanese signed the you know the treaty with the end of the World War Two and mm-hmm. on this this ship, um, and then I didn't realize it had been recommissioned in the eighties, and then it was used in Desert Storm. I didn't know any of that, but after it was decommissioned, it had been parked. And even talking at the end about the Missouri and how it was leaving here to be parked in Bremerton, Washington, and it was there for like about six years and then uh 1998 uh before it was being towed to hawaii to be a part of the uh pearl harbor museum they parked it in astoria for a week or two because they wanted the fresh water from the columbia to come in and kill all of the um the shit that had you know been growing on and all the seagrass and stuff and so my family we all went up and um to go see the missouri and so like my with my grandparents and like my aunt and we all went and we took a little tour on it um but yeah it was funny i was like oh shit this is the missouri this is actually a location i've been on so. that's fucking awesome yeah. well right on only on uh a seagull podcast on psychotronic cast do you find out the make and model of the boat yeah um so yeah i mean <clears throat> So they actually didn't shoot it on the Missouri, I guess. I guess they shot it. When I looked up, they actually shot it on the Arizona. I know um, that they shot it. It was somewhere like whatever ship they shot on was actually like in Alabama or something. Uh, maybe yeah. And they was like had to pretend like it was in water when it was like completely. It wasn't even. I'm sure. I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't want to shoot a whole movie on it. I mean, it's a battleship. You, you could. You, yeah. It's like this thing is fucking huge, but that, it, yeah, logistically it would be kind of a pain. Yeah, I mean, it, this movie shows its age instantly when they're talking about uh, President George Bush Senior mm-hmm. at the beginning of the film. I'm like, oh shit, that's right, we're back here. And the fact that Under Siege came out before The Fugitive, I thought it was the other way around yeah, until I was looking it up. Because I was wondering why Tommy Lee Jones was in this movie. Because I'm like, what? I mean, he was just coming off of The Fugitive and all this. Like, his stock was rising. I'm like, oh, no, this is before. Mm-hmm. That makes way more sense now. But God bless him that he's in this movie. Um, it's also... This is two movies, I think, because what they did with Seagal in this one, where they're just like, he sucks. He cannot really carry a film when he has to do all the dialogue and heavy lifting. Let's just... He's in 30 minutes of this movie. Like, it's just, like, it's mostly about, like, Gary Busey and Tommy Lee Jones, and then it goes back to, like, they literally put Steven Seagal on ice in this movie. They they lock him up in a cooler for, like, an act. He's also missing the ponytail, and I love it. Yeah. Well, that was the thing, was just, like, how is he going to get away with having a ponytail if he's, like, in the Navy? And the answer is he's not. But 
he got away with not wearing navy whites or That's like whatever because so it's just like they even like make it a thing where he just like shows up in Steven Seagal drag and they're just like black is slimming it's true and that's why he's doing it because once again he's heavier yeah in this film and they're just like pointing out like right off the bat like hey you're not in your navy blues or whites or whatever it is blah blah, blah. it's just like ah i can't be a break i work in the kitchen yeah. and then that's just how they get out of it and i'm just like i love that they had to have that dialogue in the movie to be like why isn't he dressed like everybody else on uh, this yeah. ship but uh, only in a Steven Seagal film. I like the little uh, the little dance party they have in the kitchen to uh, snatch I Got the Power. Yeah. That was, that was a great, also like 1992 moment. And uh, Steven Seagal's like trying to look like human as fuck in uh, that yeah. scene. And it's just like not looking. Oh, uh, yeah. It's all things ridiculous. Also, speaking of 1992 moments, is uh, in, in on this uh, ship, they actually have a Snapple vending machine. which I, I didn't even also, notice that. Yeah, I was like, holy shit, this is a Snapple vending machine. That's wow. like so... 90s um yeah i don't know i was I, all these little details were really um perking everything up but and then to really have because like it's Busey and tlj trying to like out crazy each other but the abuse the abuse oh. is loose oh, he's like he's, full juicy Busey in this one and especially speaking of drag when he comes out in drag in this film it just it's changed insane. my life. <laughs> it's like so crazy. Well, because okay, so like yeah, Tommy Lee Jones, like the, his whole crew show up, and they're supposed to be like some rock band, but they're like a weird. They're called like a bluesy rock band, but then all he does is he's like the hype man slash harmonica. He's like, a flavor flave in the group. Yeah, it's like he's this, he has kind of nothing to do. So the name of the band is called Bad Billy and the Bail Jumpers. Yeah. So I just want to like just try and put this out here. So it's like. How insane this movie is, is the captain of the ship, it's his birthday, and everybody on the ship is going to throw him a surprise party. What? And then also, nobody can let him know about all this thing, which is perfect because all the bad guys get to go on the ship and do all this stuff in the meantime, and nobody knows what's going on, but it's also like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. And then you get Gary Busey, who's like drunk with power and wants more power and wants to end up running the ship, so he's like full-fledged psychopath, and he's in the Navy. But then a helicopter shows up with Tommy Lee Jones in this hot leather jacket and a tie-dye shirt and, like, Wayfarers with Miss July around his arm, Playboy 1988, which I think... Yeah. Which I know you have a history with. With... Well, because I remember you telling a story about you seeing a picture of her in your grandfather's Playboy... Oh, that was... Before she was in the Beverly Hillbillies. Oh, that was her. Yeah, I had no idea. That is so funny. But that, yeah, this is the first time I realized I liked women. Was yeah, my my grandpa had Playboys that he would have on his shower, like his towel rack on the, like the shower sliding door, and I would use their bathroom to look at them because like the bathroom in the living room or next to the living room, I would never go in. I would always go in their bathroom, so obviously they knew like this motherfucker's looking at your Playboys. But yeah, it was her. As, like, yeah, Miss uh, Ellie McClampett beforehand. And I was just like, oh, I like girls. And I like girls with big boobs. So, <laughs> Miss July, come on down. Yeah. So, that's so funny. I had no idea that that was her. Yeah, when I realized that she was the same person, I'm like, oh, I remember your story. And I was like, that's really yeah. funny. This is, it all, it all comes, it all comes full circle. That is interesting. Yeah, I love it. There's, like, yeah, so the whole thing is, like, yes, Steven Seagal is, like, the chef and whatever. He's a like personal favorite, but everyone, you know, kind of. Busey shits on him. They lock him up. But it's this whole thing about his Beulah base. He's trying to make the Busey spits in, and his well, eyes are burning. Well, yeah, that's what is weird because they show the kitchen, and at first I'm like, wait, he's the head chef on this entire ship, and they're doing that. And then I'm thinking like, okay, 
maybe it's not maybe he's just the personal chef for the captain yeah. and like maybe the top senior advisors i'm because that food is not going to serve all those guys. No way. So I'm actually trying to make excuses for this movie. I'm like, no, no, no. He must be like, they don't ever plan it out, but I'm guessing. And it makes sense. He has a, yeah. a personal chef. Blah, blah, blah. And you don't know why he's a chef. And you're like, I, I didn't even remember why he was a chef. So um, you later realize that whatever, he has some shit that went down in Panama and he couldn't serve anymore. He's been disgraced. And they don't do flashback scenes. Thank God in this one. Yeah. Uh, but it's nuts. So TLJ, Miss July, the band arrives on a helicopter and immediately, like, Tommy Lee Jones takes over the fucking movie. That scene is so crazy. He's like, who's the highest commanding officer in here? Uh-huh. And the guy's like, he stands up, and he's kind of stiff, and he's like, I'm blah, blah, blah. And then he just, like, fucking shoots him in the head. Yes. That was, like, one of the things I remember like from the movie. It's, like, one of the most shocking things ever. You're like, you know he's going to be fucking crazy and bad, but you're like, that, that particular moment is, like, that is so fucked up. It's crazy. Well, it's nuts, because, like, when Bad Billy and the Bale Jumpers are playing... It's like everybody in that vicinity that's listening to the music and dancing around, like, the Navy is on Molly in this scene. I'm yeah. like, what the fuck? Everybody is, like, the best rave that they're at in Tommy Lee Jones. I guess if I went to a concert and fucking Tommy Lee Jones was playing harmonica, wearing that outfit, and rapping, I'd be like, I'm high. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's... it makes total sense. But that was the whole thing was just like, okay, so they're these terrorists that are also like a rock band because like they are a band and they're playing, but they're also like these insane villainous mercenary killer. Yeah. That is very it's crazy. Like, it's like, it's they, so crazy and I love it. It's yeah. It's so nice. I, yeah, there's, I mean, there are a lot, if you want to pick it apart, there's a lot of things that are like, what the hell? Oh yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I love it for all of those things. Um, and the, the one of the best lines in the movie is like after like when, you know, Bad Billy and the Bale Jumpers are playing, and then Gary Busey comes out in drag and does his fucking crazy shit. And then TLJ and Busey, like, have a conversation after he kills, like, the highest commanding officer in, like, some office. And Busey's still in drag. And then, uh, it's just, TLJ is just, like, something that's like, man, you look like, it was like, whatever. It's like, you need a psych evaluation. And it cuts to Gary Busey in the drag looking crazy oh, as yeah. fuck. And he just goes, do I look like I need a psych evaluation? Yeah, <laughs> and it's just like, awesome. I love it. And then, yeah, TLJ's like, not at all. <laughs> well, and then I also love it. So, like, right before all this happens, so, you know, Erica comes with them, and then she's, um, you know, she has, like, motion sickness or whatever, all sorts of not feeling well. So Busey gives her some, like, oh, take this, like, whatever, pretends it's, like, Dramamine or something to help her motion sickness. Just, like, you know, knocks her out. And then you kind of forget about her for, like, a long-ass fucking time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess it is kind of jumping ahead. But then, like, she shows back up, like, way after all this shit. And she's still in the fucking cake. Yes. <laughs> I see, I re- what, what I remembered from the movie was, like, she pops out of the cake with her top off, like, and that's, like, the party scene. But I didn't remember that it was just by herself when Steven Seagal's, like, in a gunfight, basically. Oh, yeah. And it's just, like... And he's even like, what the fuck? And, like, doing that whole deal. That was so great. Uh, But, yeah, this movie gets so crazy so fast. Like, when Busey decides, like, okay, we're going to lock my entire crew of the ship up. And then we're just going to drown them like rats. Yeah, that's so crazy. Dear God. And then it shows the scene, and it's just, like, all these extras... Like, literally taking a fire hose. Yeah. And you're like, whoa, this well, movie's also, going for things, it. Yeah, they're like, yeah, so the, all of them, it's like crazy. It's like Titanic or something. Um, and then, you know, finally, he, Busey doesn't realize who, because he, you know, whatever, he has his animosity towards Steven Seagal, and he thinks he's a joke, and so 
they, he kind of forgets that he's like in the walk-in. He has one guy like guarding him. They kind of realize what's going on. So they send some guys to go kill him. And Seagal is like, you know, hey, something's really fucked up. Then he ends up hiding in like a vent in this walk-in and then just ends up like taking all those guys down. He's like setting up bombs and microwaves. And yes. Like, and then they end up, you know, realizing like, oh shit, they get into like the, uh, the captain's you know, like records, and they find that, oh, this guy's a Navy SEAL, who, whatever, all this fucking shit. And then Tommy Jones is just like, you fucking didn't, you know, whatever. He's like, I didn't, you know, BC's like, I didn't know it, was, it wasn't in my records. Like, I didn't know he was a fucking badass. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, to me, I'm like, this is like, you know, I mean, it's, it's totally absurd, obviously, the whole movie is. But then, uh, you know, just like that, to me, is just enough of a license for things to get as fucking raw and as insane as they get. Yes. Um, the one thing I will say is once Erica kind of comes back in, I hate the way they wrote her character because she's fucking annoying as shit. Yes. You know, and it's like, it's it's to the point that, uh, besides, you know, whatever, just being annoying, that you're just like, you know, he like, you know, tries to lock her in a locker and whatever, and then she throws a fit and like that gets really kind of tiring because you're like, if he either was going to be like, get business done, he should have just like hogtied her and, and gagged her and just uh-huh. like, put, put her away. But he takes her along and then she kind of, you know, learns to... She even, like, saves him at one point. Yeah, totally. But she goes... It's funny, because then when she turns into, like, a badass, you're like, okay, this is awesome. But there's a whole period where she's kind of a whiny bitch. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, like, I I guess I kind of see why you're trying to do this, but it, that, that that part was kind of annoying. Um, I like whenever this film... Like, because TLJ has, like, a getaway plan, and it's on, like, a fucking submarine. Yeah. And you're like, they're going to get on this submarine... And then, you know, when they cut the power to the the giant ship and then the actual active military is coming in to stop the thing and then you see, like, the submarine emerge and the people waiting for TLJ and the crew to come onto the submarine, they just have, like, giant bazookas and they just oh, yeah. shoot planes out of the sky and you're like, fuck yes. Well, that's the thing is, like, so, like, Tommy Lee Jones, you know, he's, like, kind of like a... I guess kind of like a black ops kind of dude who was doing all these secret things. He was supposed to, the submarine was like this North Korean sub that he was supposed to take down. And there's this whole kind of Dr. Strangelove, you know, spot like in the Pentagon where they're all like trying to figure out what. The oh, fuck they is modeled going on. it after uh, Dr. Strangelove. Oh, yeah. The, totally. the situation room to yeah. look like that. Yeah. And so, like, they're all kind of dealing with this. And then, um, you know, they realized that. Tommy Lee Jones was kind of turning into like a crazy like lone wolf and he was kind of dangerous so they tried to take him down so this is all his like retribution and he's like but so they're they're decommissioning the Missouri and I think it's so crazy it's like it still has nuclear tomahawk missiles it has all of this fucking shit in it and it's like how was this not like you know it seems like if you're decommissioning it you would have taken off this stuff right away because it's such a like you know obvious target for something like this and yeah. speaking of like a terrorist act like everything is pretty simple you know it's like it's not like some you know super elaborate like, they just kind of like they worm their way in and they just fucking quickly take things over and you know they can you know annihilate the planet mm-hmm. um it's so i know crazy. they're gonna send missiles to honolulu yeah totally they're gonna <laughs> like blow up honolulu um it's it's so crazy um but i just love that because it's like you need high stakes yes you know and that's the thing it's like you have this thing where um you're like yeah this would be like a huge destabilizing situation you know you have like you know i don't know it's 
it's crazy. I just totally love it. And everyone's like totally fucking insane. Yeah. And Busey gets blown up on the submarine, which is great. Oh, that's great. And then you get like Tommy Lee Jones. Anytime something goes wrong, it's like he gets more hyped. Yeah. And he's just like feeding off of this like panic energy that he's got. And then by the end, he just throws that leather jacket back on those sunglasses and he goes like, I'm going to fucking ride in the sunset like this. It's exactly yeah, yeah. what he does. And by sunset, I mean his head goes through a fucking monitor. Oh, yeah, totally. Well, the, yeah, that, that awesome knife fight, which yes. I really love. Um, and then, yeah, then he, like, skull, like, gouges his eye out. Then he sticks a knife through the top of his fucking skull and then shoves his head through a fucking monitor. Yes. Um, like, that's how I just need things to go down. Uh-huh. Like, that's, like, that. this is, like, the action movie paradise that I I want. Um, yeah, it, it was... Great. I totally had just a fun time with this. And we get to see Seagal um, take a page out of the Swayze book in uh, Roadhouse. He's oh, ripping rip, throats. Yeah. I'm get just that like, jugular. Yeah, get it out. No, yeah, the 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 violence in this film is... It's great. It's, yeah. it's perfect. And yeah, like all of the stuff is like, you know, all the people back in like Langley or wherever the fuck they are, you know, they're just kind of, you know, they're kind of like doofuses. They don't really know what to do you know, do with the situation. There's like the kind of crooked people, but I guess also like, again, like watching it through the lens of the month that we've lived to right now. Like you're like, Oh yeah. Like there are, you know, these people who've been radicalized, but they have like high military training and you know, this shit isn't being taken seriously enough, you know? So it feels like as implausible and as ridiculous as all this is the, the place I feel we're at mm-hmm. with the possibility is, you know, maybe the scale is kind of tipped a little bit where this is, you know, not not so implausible that you, you can't, you can totally dismiss it. You're like, ah, this it, is absurd, but it's absurdly relatable. It's like the meme that I saw of, like, I'm not as impressed with uh, Nicolas Cage stealing the Declaration of Independence now. Oh, yeah. Where you're just like, yeah, I mean, who, I mean, you couldn't write that shit. Yeah, um, totally. And speaking of who could write this shit? Uh, we get on under siege. Yeah. So there's a Criterion Channel put out a um, like a film pack or what? What would you call it? Like a, they put out a series of films, or oh, whatever. Yeah, a little collection. Of... It was like a year or two ago. Maybe it was when Criterion first launched. But it was interesting. It was um, one film directors, like one and done. And you had yeah. like Night of the Hunter, mm-hmm. uh, like Charles Lawton, and you had True Stories, David Byrne. And I always wondered why they didn't have On Deadly Ground with Steven Seagal. <laughs> and then I watched it, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's why. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, Steven Seagal, he directed this and this alone. And, and it is something. It is a it movie. Is. The original title, uh, Eagle Screams. <laughs> oh, my. Which is perfect, because they have so many Eagle Screams on the soundtrack. You're, like, constantly... No, uh, it, no, it really wasn't called that. I oh, did, really? No, oh, I, I'm, just I'm just calling it. Yeah, no, it should it should just be called Eagle Screams. When an Eagle Screams. When an e- <laughs> um, yeah. And also, like, you knew you were in for a treat when um, the, the credits started popping up and Seagal just had to put himself... It was like a Seagal production, uh, Seagal film starring Steven Seagal, directed by Steven Seagal. Like, his name appears, like, six times. It's kind of like uh, the movie Dangerous Men, where it's, like, directed by John Elrad, oh, written yeah. by John Elrad, yeah. produced by John Elrad, music by John Elrad. You're like, what? How many things has John Elrad done? And it's crazy because I... Of all the of all the Seagal films, it took, you know, all six to watch to realize that, besides my little, like, turn... 
uh, Seagal experience in high school, showing all my friends that I met in high school, like, oh, you got to watch like Above the Law and that kind of stuff. I have seen probably on Deadly Ground more than any of them, and it took watching this one again to realize it because this is the movie that I always watch with my grandma. Like, oh, I watched yeah. this movie a lot with my grandma, and it was just scenes were coming out. I was just like, Oh yeah, the two liter bottle of Coke and the fucking gun. That was like I was like, you can make a silencer that way. That was such a big deal when I saw it. Like that lived in my brain for years. Yeah. Like that was a huge thing. And then also uh him lighting a cigar off of like a fire before he explodes oh, like yeah. the thing. Like that was burned into my brain. There's some ridiculous so much swagger shit. in this movie. Yeah, um, so, I mean, we can start with the jackets. Oh, yeah, no, it's, it's like a whole, like, wardrobe. It's, like, hilarious because he has all these buckskin jackets that he wears. And it's just one. Like, one would be enough and plenty and over the top. You're like, oh, my God. It's, like, the worst rich tourist. Like, you're mm -hmm. in Jackson, Wyoming, and you're, like, whatever, you're a millionaire. And you're like, I'm a native. And I think that they never totally explained it, but I feel they're also trying to play him off as a Native American. Oh, he totally is. Because, because there's even that fight scene. Where he's like, Natives 1. Yeah. And I'm like... You, oil well, Drillers 0. There are Native Americans in this movie, but most everyone else is not Native. Like he, obviously, Steven Skull is not a Native American. Also, Joan Chen, Chinese, not Native American. Um, you're like, this is... It's so... It's so many cr types of crazy... Um, this is a funny movie too because I, after watching this, um, I was just you know, looking at different reviews on Letterboxd and there's somebody, I, I won't name their name, but there's a person I like to follow and they kind of seen like everything ever, but they are very, um, liberal and they, you know, very kind of grumpy. They don't like a lot of movies. Oh boy. And you know, always, they always put like uh, vegan trigger warnings and everything and they list all the different, and it's like, it's, they're very, very liberal. Um, fucking loved this movie. What? This, they, I was expecting this, they, it's like, it's really funny because I'm like, this person's, I, I, I'm so passive this person I can't not follow this person. Uh, but, uh, it was totally like every kind of very corny, yeah, and I mean, I, I, yeah, I love the environment. I, yeah, I think it's probably the biggest threat to our whatever, but I'm like, this is just like the most funny, like, like misguided like ecologically aware movie ever but this person that i follow like they were just so moved by all of it and it was amazing i me. know that seagal did this because i think he doesn't give a fuck about the environment and apparently I he says he does but... i don't care what he says <laughs> we know at six films in, we know who this man is and uh, yeah. he's just a guy who's like you know what will make everybody think i'm like a well, I think he the does best. have a messiah complex. So I yeah. think that probably plays into it. Yes. Like, I can... like, that is exactly why he's piggybacking this whole, like, eco thing. I can... I'm... I can picture him throwing styrofoam cups out of his fucking Suburban on oh, the way yeah. home from whatever every day. But, um... <sighs> but yeah, those jackets were, like... It's hilarious. Because there's a lot of points in the movie where, like, he is... You know, things are getting, like, heated up. And then he still has time for a costume change with another new buckskin fringe jacket. Like, mm -hmm. he has a whole wardrobe of them that he carries around. But he has a lot of stuff stocked up all around yeah. in different places. So. I mean, you know, people with uh, Pendleton kinks just had a mad boner this entire oh film. Oh, my God. Um, Michael Caine uh, really... Also, yeah, he's got some crazy wardrobe and crazy dyed hair in this Yes, movie. I was, I was going to say he's channeling... Uh, 
uh, Seagal's marked for no, not marked for death. What was this? What was the film? Oh yeah, uh, above the law. Not above the law is oh. the second one. Uh, hard oh, yeah. to kill. Hard to kill. The, yeah, right. he, he has the, the spray on the hard there. to kill shoe polish hair. Yeah. yeah, Michael Caine is in on that, which apparently was supposed to be Jeremy Irons, oh. but he backed out last he was minute. Too busy doing Die Hard with a vengeance, probably. Yeah, it's right, kind of around the same time. Um, so John C. McGinley too, who I kind of always he's just like a goofball, but is I he, love him as the goon. Is this a Doctor Cox from Scrubs? Yeah, he's on Scrubs. And he's, he's in Wall just, Street. And he's also he's in uh, Office Space. Like I just rewatched that like a couple oh, weeks ago. Oh yeah, um, he's uh, pops up here and there. But I love it's like him plugged in as the like top goon. Uh-huh. It's just so like kind of eighties nineties action movie cliche. Uh-huh. It's just like he fits that with the Mark so well. McGuire goatee. Yeah, um, no, it's it's great. So I actually kind of had to cheat this movie a little bit. I had to break it into two nights. Not because I had to go to bed or wake up, but it's because it was so fucking stupid <laughs> that I was like, I can't do this all in one night and I actually like turned it off 45 minutes in and watched eight and a half <laughs> like it was just like I need to like put on something that because I'm like I what am I doing uh it was like one of those like what am I really up to right now um it was during I think I stopped after his little like uh, he got rescued by the Eskimos in his little, like, episode oh, that thing. That is so... Well, okay, the other thing, so, like, right before that scene, which we, I, I don't think we want to talk about... We want to get the bar brawl. There's the bar brawl. We gotta get and the, the uh, Yeah, this uh, Mike Starr, like, he always just plays, like, the big Italian dude, and, like, you know... He's, he's also in Dumb and Dumber. Oh, yeah. He's, he's the a, guy that needs his pills. Yeah, so he's here. The thing with this... One of the things about this bar, besides it's, it's kind of, like, a very... Uh, kind of fetishized like blue collar you know like alaska and bar like it's kind of like if you were going to design one to put in a suburb somewhere you'd make it look like this you know not super blue collar but just like a designy blue collar like there's props and stuff on the walls but for some reason this bar contains like 60 percent women like even during the fight it's yeah. like almost every cutaway shot is like a sea of women with a couple men sprinkled through i'm like what is this bar what's happening in this town i yeah. mean are they supposed to be hookers i don't know um, but yeah, that whole fight is so absurd. Well, and all the ADR that they add to it, that it's all done by Steven Seagal, where it, it's all women going like, do you see what he just did? Oh, yeah. Can you hear, can you believe him? Like, it's all like, look at that motherfucker over there. And you're like, wow. And you're like, also, because this place is, you know, like, it's kind of nice. And it's like, no one in this bar, I mean, I guess it's, maybe it's mostly women, are going to break this fight up. You think that even the people, like, even the woman who seems to be running it, maybe she owns the bar. So it's kind of like, oh, dear, this sucks. And you're like, they are fucking this place up. Like, yeah. it's like somebody, you know, these are big guys, but come on. Like, there are it's literally like 300 f- people in this bar. Yeah. He does all this, and then um, what's crazy is, yeah, he fights and beats everybody up. slow-mo. Yeah, but then he ends, the scene ends with a slap fight, and I was just like, slap, and then whatever, and then they put their hands out, and I'm like, the shit I used to do in the schoolyard. Yeah. Where you're like, what? And it just becomes that weird fucking game, and then, you know, one of the most iconic, like, lines out of Steven Seagal's mouth in the history of him was like, what, what'll change the essence of a man? Yes, I know, I had to write that down too, I'm like, that is... And then so he profound. like, and then he like changes his life. The Italian guy and the Italian guy is just like, mm-hmm. and then that's it. But he did all the crazy shit, and he's the only guy in the bar that doesn't get knocked out or his arm broken or oh, his yeah. back broken. Like the guy just gets he a walk out. He doesn't even lose a piece of fringe. No, and Steven Seagal 
bounces from the bar. He doesn't pay his bar tab, and he definitely doesn't pay for any of the damages. Oh uh, yeah, no. He's... And he brags in the beginning of the movie how he makes three hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. I read a, a review of this movie on Letterboxd, and it was really funny. A person loved this movie. Someone else loved this movie, <laughs> but they uh, were saying how with only a few tweaks to this movie, Steven Seagal could be the villain. Because he no basically doubt. is like, there's so many things. It's so psychotic, and he's so crazy through the whole fucking movie. Because yeah. even like the whole like, you know, he is. I, I can't really describe what he does. He's like kind of like a fireman or whatever. There's like the oil rigs, and he like blows up the fire. He fights the, fire with fire. Yeah, um, but he's like so. He's just fucking insane. And there's this whole thing going on where um, Michael Caine, you know, whatever he is leased off of these oil. Um, the land to you know uh pump oil off this land but there's on like some sort of lease where he has to uh like it's something it's on a time frame where he has to sell so much oil or something by a certain point otherwise he has to give it back to the native americans and so there's on this time crunch and so he's using faulty material so there's this big fire going on these people are getting injured because he's using some sort of like a pump or some sort of whatever fucking thing but everything he's using is really shoddy because the good stuff won't come in time so he's just trying to pump out all this oil so he can make enough money or whatever so he doesn't have to give all this shit back to the the natives um but yeah there's this whole fucking showdown with them he steven seagal like they try to kill him they kill the old man they try to blow him up um in this thing but he escapes mm -hmm. um and there's a lot of the action like the the scenery is legit breathtaking it's yes insane. i wrote i actually wrote that down beautiful location but holy fuck this movie oh yeah it's like the the all the uh the action stuff looks so dorky like all the explosion stuff looks yeah. so cheesy there's a lot of like to the point that it's almost charming like there's a lot of kind of like glass matte composites that look like it's from a like a 60s like italian hercules movie or something uh -huh. like um it's just really kind of cheesy like that but yeah he, then he gets escaped he, uh, he gets captured by these eskimos and they are like the most irritating like when you have like native americans or and they all just speak in like a poetic like new agey i like, mean there's two um, steps away from going hi yeah 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 it is it's like kind of egregious yeah but i mean i get it's like it's all well intentioned but it's like all the spirituality is so crazy and there's the whole scene where he has that like the vision in that sweat lodge of like naked jun chen or whatever yeah like, Riding around and you're like, what the fuck is this movie? Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. And also like, oh, and the, the whole thing with like the Eskimos, like he uh, thinks he's a bear. That, uh, that was the next thing I was gonna bring up. Are you a bear? Oh yeah. It's like tell him I'm a mouse hiding from a hawk in the house of a raven. And she's like, <laughs> they talk to the old man. He's like, that's just what a bear would say. <laughs> <laughs> you're like this is the type of dialogue that these native you know these Eskimos are speaking mm -hmm. you're like it's so it's like those like those 90s like you know new agey CDs to like you'll hear like a flute and you like whatever can meditate and hear the rain and some yeah everything's to be written in like papyrus script <laughs> it's I yeah I mean these movies like mystical elves yeah it's like a fantasy movie and these six movies like the thing that has kept the Steven Seagal train, like, going, I mean, up until On Deadly Ground, because this is a giant flop, but is the fact of, like, you know, you can only be as good as your adversary or whatever. Uh, yeah. And it's just, like, he just, you know, they, they kept banking on these, like, co-stars to just really carry the movie. And um, it, it, it was a hard feat to accomplish after coming from, like, TLJ and Gary Busey, but Michael Caine gives it his all. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, mean he is, like... 
legit evil in this movie and he is yeah. so good the PSA that he does oh yeah it's when great. he like shows up on set and he's just like a monster and then as soon as the camera rolls he turns into like everyone's favorite grandpa yeah and then as soon as it's done he's like it's these fucking elks diva. stink like shit <laughs> like he just turns into Elton John for like two <laughs> minutes and you're like oh there, there it is <laughs> and um yeah yeah Dr. Cox getting medieval on that old man like oh, in yeah. the, the, the in his in his house like that's great so the bad guys are good in this movie I mean there are still some like they, yeah it's just so dumb the fantasy bear fight where he's stabbing the bear oh my god that whole that whole thing is so crazy yeah um there's like so there's one point where they uh, Seagal and Chen, they like take off. They're gonna go like go back to the old man's cabin or whatever, and they find there's like one. He has like this crazy arsenal behind a hidden wall. Yeah, and so they like get that, and you're like, oh shit! Like he's you know like some survivalist shit. Then they like um, go back and you know this, his name's Forrest. And he has like some like you know crazy again like top secret pass that no one really knows about. Like maybe Navy Seal, whatever his fucking thing. It's like all these movies where it's like he's just such a badass. No one even knows. I feel it's like totally that dweeb fantasy like these people think i'm a dweeb but they don't even know i'm a fucking badass yeah and i'm gonna and that's totally like probably yeah whatever well, did you ever see them. or at least follow the story with tanya harding or see i tanya oh yeah i saw it where it's like the 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 fat guy who's just like lying through his teeth like oh i work for the fbi oh and yeah like, really yeah, like whatever yeah it's just like that's the 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 headspace that seagal is in Total constantly insanity uh-huh. so i love that they're like all taking off but then he has like a crazy arsenal cave as well that they go to, and it's just like, you know, and it's so crazy. You're like, what the fuck? It's like full of like dynamite and bombs. And even she's kind of like, well, wait, why do you have all this? Or like, what are you, what kind of war are you trying to start here? It's so crazy. But then they get out, and there's like the helicopters chasing around, and they just blow up the whole cave. Yeah. Shit, just to take down this helicopter. And then like, um, fucking uh, Billy Bob Thornton is like showing up. As I say, when the mercenaries show up, and then yeah. you get like backup bad guys where you get like, terribly short role from Billy Bob Thornton when he's still like fat off of Tombstone and then uh, oh yeah yeah and then you get um, Lee Armory or Lee I can never say his name even though he was my parents neighbor uh, the the guy from Full Metal Jacket oh yeah yeah Lee Armory was his name Lee Armory I would say I think it's Lee Armory but I know I'm not pronouncing that right but anyway and he just shows up to do a monologue about how dope Seagal is he's like who are we dealing with here and he just basically does the full metal jacket, but instead of being super negative, he's super positive about it. This guy, this guy is, he can suck a golf ball all, through a garden hose. I don't know what he says, no, but it's true. It's, it's like, like hyping I him up. just like so much crazy dialogue. Cause there is like, there's so many, like there's so much stuff where people are just talking nonsense. And it's like, it's almost like, it's beautifully comic. It's like, it's like a Mel Brooks trying to write some like crazy over the top dialogue. But yeah. in all these movies, there's a thing where everybody has to suck Steven Seagal's dick. Yes. Where it's like that thing where even like the bad guys just like, oh, fuck, this guy is like. Well, it goes right back to um, Hard to Kill, where it's like that is the ultimate movie. And like if you're not a bad guy in this film, your sole responsibility is to talk about how dope Steven Seagal is. Yeah. And that's the, the your only nuts. function in this world. I wish there was, I guess, I got to a point where I was just taking my notes. But there, yeah, there is the speech where he gives where it's so insane. But he's also like. I feel it's like he's mixing metaphors or like just turning things to a degree that you're like, that is so insane. It's just like gibberish. Actually, I guess maybe one thing Mel Brooks is it kind of reminds me of that part in Blazing Saddles when the old prospector comes up and he's like, and they're like, I'm glad y'all young people could be here. So I'm like, old pioneer gibberish. And that's totally how they're talking. You're like, this is so insane. Um, And then, yeah, all that shit blows up. But then 
the real the the real gem of this movie is the super preachy speech he gives at the about end. ecology. Before we get to right. that, uh, so Lee Armory's thing, what I was the riff he's going on. My guy in DC tells me that we are not dealing with the student here. We're dealing with the professor. Anytime the military has an operation that can't fail, they call this guy in to train the troops, okay? He's the kind of guy that would drink a gallon of gasoline so he could piss in your campfire. You could drop this guy off in the Arctic Circle wearing a pair of bikini underwear without his toothbrush, and tomorrow afternoon, he's going to show up at your poolside with a million-dollar smile and a fistful of pesos. This guy is a professional. You got me? If he reaches this rig, we're all going to be nothing but big goddamned hole right in the middle of Alaska. So let's go find him and kill him and get rid of this son bitch. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. That and is the like Oscar for best original screenplay like, goes that to. is like kind of award worthy like nonsense. Like yeah, that was that part. I'm like, what the fuck's he talking about? I mean, about? this could. I actually, I was just quoting two billboards outside of Evans, Missouri. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> like it could be from that movie too. Uh, so yeah, so his little monologue that you're talking about at the end, where he's giving the whole speech about whatever. I guess was like 20 minutes long in the original, and the test audiences hated it so much that they had to cut it down to five. But I, I kind of want the director's cut. Uh, like, yeah. give me the 20 minute like what? spiel with like your grandparents' screensaver, like going off in the background as like his monologues going, like that little like. They do show some dope electric cars. <laughs> They're like, that's a cool looking car. <laughs> there yeah. you go. But yeah, you're like, it is so heavy handed. It's so, and you're also like, are we really being preached to by Steven Seagal? It's, it's kind of like way it's worse insulting. Even than like when Michael Jackson is telling you to be a good person. And you're like, okay, you need to just calm down. Because <laughs> um, this is like so uh, insane. You're also like watching everything that Steven Seagal has done. You're like, no, you're a total fucking maniac. Like you have all these insane arsenals like hidden in caves throughout Alaska. Yeah. Just for what? Like I, who knows even what else he has. And he's like, I, he's like basically like a total eco-terrorist mm -hmm. um, and not the good kind. Um, it's, it's just total, it's like so insane that it's kind of fascinating just to watch for just like how crazy this movie is. And the fact that, yeah, this is his big directorial the, moment. The ultimate vanity project. I was actually wondering if this was in the hands of like a normal action director this movie probably would have still been pretty good. Like, if they would have just, like, filmed the action better and did different things. If you like, have the right mindset, this movie is really entertaining. It's like, there's so much, there's just so much nonsense. It's just so much nonsense. And yeah. You're like, it's just what the hell? Yeah. And that's why I had to break it up in two nights. I just couldn't no, handle that much, that much crazy in one night. <laughs> My life's crazy enough. Um, yeah. We did it. We did it. We've gone through this at all. All right. Sex. I'm going to, I'll go first because I'm just springing this on you because I just oh, had yeah, this idea. We're going to rank the six. Oh, all right. Five to... Or, <laughs> I'm already discounting one. Five to one out yeah, of six totally movies. Right. No, no, no. So we're going to rank the six movies out of all the favorites. Um, I am going to go... Number six um, is on Deadly Ground. It just is. It just yeah. is going to be on Deadly Ground. Number five for me, which I know is going to be higher on yours, is Marked for Death. Mm -hmm. Got to go there. Uh, number uh, four... Four, God, it's so hard now. This is when it gets really hard because now I like legitimately love these movies. Um, number four, I'll go Above the Law, his first one. Even though it's got that stacked cast, I'm just so bummed. Pam Greer just doesn't, didn't have much to do in it. Um, number three, I have got to go... I can't believe I'm going that 
Yeah, number three, I, I guess I'm going hard to kill, even though I thought it would be higher on my... Just because of the audacity of that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm lying. Number three is out for justice. It just... I, just, I can't believe I'm saying that. So number three is out for justice. Number two is hard to kill. And number one is under siege. I mean, you just can't deny. It's Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. It's Tommy oh, yeah, Lee Jones. It's great. It's uh, great. So that would be my top six. So, yeah, once again, because it sounded so weird. Um, six to one. On Deadly Ground. Uh, marked for death, uh, above the law, out for justice, hard to kill, under siege. All right. For me, I would go, yep, yeah, play on deadly ground, above the law, out for justice, hard to kill, marked for death, under siege. There it is. Yeah. So under siege is my favorite. Yeah, marked to kill is so crazy. Uh, uh, yeah, marked for death is just so crazy. Hard to kill is just so ludicrous. It's so ludicrous. Um, I just love it. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the thing is like of these six movies, I mean, they all have a great secondary cast. Like they, he's he's supported by great people through every one of these movies. And I'm glad uh, you finally sat down and watched the these Seagull flicks. I'm glad yeah. I, I revisited them. It, it was like just a blast from the past for me. It's yeah. so weird when you don't when you're so into something at one point in your life and then you totally just black it out for decades and oh, you yeah. come back to it. It's like time travel. Yeah. All right, well, I'm done hosting a series. Uh, it, the show is back in your hands. <laughs> All right. Do you know where we're going? I, I, I have, like, a, a multitude of things. I'll I'll, uh, I'll definitely lock something down, and I'll get us, get us squared away soon. Hell yes. All right, so until then, let's keep it purely casual.